tomorrow is uh, Memorial Day. It's the day that we um, come around um, and we remember those who have gone on before who died for our freedom. And uh, I want to just pause before we dive into today's message um, and just pray and thank God for those who have gone before us in, uh, in duty, in active duty. And uh, I want to also uh, pray for the victims and their families of those who were affected by the tornadoes in Oklahoma. So would you join me in a word of prayer this morning? Father God, I want to begin by praying for those who were affected over the week uh, by those tornadoes, God. Um, 24 who died, possibly more than that. And I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would be with their family members today, their friends, those who may be asking why. Um, God, I pray that you would bring peace in the midst of their chaos right now. For those who are in the hospital, God, I pray for healing. And God, I pray that you would do what you often do, and that is as you use a tragic situation and that you would bring glory and understanding about yourself, and that you would bring glory to yourself through this tragedy. And God, may people, instead of asking why, or maybe as a response to asking why, may they be drawn to you. And God, I just thank you as we come together tomorrow and we remember those who have died in the process of keeping our freedom here in the United States of America. We're here today because of their death. And we thank you for those who gave their lives for our freedom. And I pray for the family members of those who have passed on, um, those families who may have lost a loved one in active duty recently. God, I pray that you would just help them to understand that while they may be suffering loss, that their family member did not die in vain, but they gave their life for freedom. And God, we celebrate that on this Memorial Day. And God, I want to celebrate also the freedom that you gave us, the ultimate freedom that you gave us by giving your son up to die a brutal death on a cross. God, you understand what it means to lose someone you love because you gave your one and only son to die for our ultimate freedom. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for loving us enough. And today as we dive in, to the first message in AKA God, I pray that you would just be with us. Holy Spirit, may you guide us into truth and knowledge and understanding. May you bind Satan from this place and may your truth be revealed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I have a question this morning for you. How many of you have nicknames? How many of you have nicknames? You have names that people give you, good, bad, or ugly, that people have given you. Um, we often have nicknames, don't we? I'll give you some of my nicknames. I'll start with the easy ones, the ones that most resemble who I am. They're Shorty. It's one of my nicknames. In the same line of thinking, there's Short Stuff, okay, Short Stuff. There's Short Guy. People know me as Short Guy. Hey, the Short Guy. Yeah, I got real sick of this in high school. Okay, and then um, most of my growth happened like when I was in college. So anyway, so, uh, and then there was this one. Um, my best friends, I had a friend named Matt and David and Brian, and we used to hang around. And they used to want me to do things that I didn't want to do um, because I was the cautious guy in the group. And uh, so they had fun with this, and they called me Mr. Spontaneous. That was my nickname, Mr. Spontaneous. I think that one still lives today, doesn't it, Cody and Cynthia? Don't answer that question. 
Uh, my family members called me Toad because my name is Todd. Go figure. Okay, so anyway. And then I had one particularly funny guy who was um, of Latin descent, and I asked him, I said, hey, what would my name be if I were, you know, if I spoke Spanish? And he said, Todd Rico. Todd Rico. So I've got Todd Rico. We, um, we often have nicknames. Hello, my name is whatever our nickname is. I'm going to take these all off because I feel silly up here with all of my nicknames on. But we have nicknames, and um, sometimes they represent who we are, right? The short guy, um, that one represents who I am. Um, sometimes we have nicknames that really are meaningless. Uh, Toad, um, that has nothing to do with me other than the fact that that's my first name. Sounds like Toad, so hey, you know, go figure. Um, so, and then we have nicknames that may actually have some kind of definition or may um, uh, reflect a little bit of who we are as, as people. And uh, so we, we have nicknames, and sometimes they reflect us, and sometimes um, they don't reflect who we are. Sometimes it makes sense, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. And that's kind of the way nicknames go. Sometimes they're terrible names. Um, some of you wouldn't be able to, like, come up here on stage and write your name out that you were given because it's so offensive. Um, and sometimes they're great and they're fun and, and they're, they're meaningful. And maybe um, they're even, uh, you know, cute and silly and, and that sort of thing. But there's, there's one, the God Almighty, who has given many different names, many different names. In fact, Scholars tell us that God, just God, the word God, that there are over 80 different uh, names for God. Isn't that incredible? And so if you look in the Old Testament, you'll find over 80 different names of God, the Lord God Almighty. And each one of them, each name that was given, and they were given in Hebrew, each name is a perfect description of who he is or what he has done. And so in this series that we're beginning today, we're going to be taking a look at five different names of God, five different names, the Hebrew names of God. And we're going to be talking about those different descriptions. We're going to be talking about those different characteristics. And so you'll hear from me today as we kind of kick off things uh, with the first name of God. And then you'll hear from Cody and then myself again. And you'll hear from uh, a friend of mine by the name of Stan Thomas later uh, at the end of June. And here's my prayer. Here's what I want you to catch. Because we can go through a series like this, and we've done this series before. It was many, many years ago um, here at Hilton and Allen Community Church. And we can go through a series like this, and we can have an intellectual, academic understanding of the names of God, and we can feel really great about ourselves. But if we don't take that information, that knowledge that we receive about God, and if it doesn't penetrate our hearts and penetrate our lives and begin to change us, all it is is useless information. It really is. And so I want you to capture as you walk through the series, and, and maybe some of you will be here today and you won't be here the next few weeks, and I hope that you would listen. Um, our, all of our messages are on podcasts. So I hope you'd go to our website and listen via podcast. But if you, if you hear this information, my prayer is, is that it would sink deep down in because these are the names of God Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And they're so meaningful, and they're so great, and they're so descriptive of who he is and what he has done. The Hebrew name that I want to begin with today, that I want to look at today, is a Hebrew name, Jehovah Sabaoth. 
Jehovah Sabaoth. Let me tell you something. Hebrew words are hard to pronounce. I completely messed it up in the first service, even though I practiced all weeks. Sabaoth, Jehovah Sabaoth. And it's probably one that um, most of you may not know, even some of you who grew up in church and may have grown up in Sunday school and grew up um, understanding God. You may not know this name, Jehovah Sabaoth, which means the Lord of hosts. It's a bit of an obscure name of God. It's not one that you often hear, and we'll hear some obscure ones, and we'll hear some ones that you often mean, uh, hear, but it means the Lord of hosts, and even though it may be a more obscure name of God, its meaning is powerful. Its meaning is so incredibly powerful, and I picked this name of God specifically because it's Memorial Day weekend, and because this name of God means Lord of hosts. He is the God of the angel armies. Isn't that cool? Now, I want to dive right in. Take a look at your notes. You received your notes when you walked in this morning. And I want to dive in and take a look at the first point. The name Lord of hosts means Lord of angels. It means Lord of angels. One of the roles of angels is to protect us from physical harm. Now, this is not a message on angels, nor is it a series on angels, so I won't go into this too deeply. But angels were created by God um, to provide something for mankind, and he created angels. I want you to hear that first. God created angels. The order goes God, angels, and then us. They are not divine beings, but they are not human beings, okay? So angels are a whole different classification. Maybe that's a sermon series for another time. But angels were created to do several different things. They were created to provide information for mankind. They, were, they exist to provide information by, uh, to mankind. If God wanted for man to hear something, he might send an angel. He might send a, a group of angels to communicate that information. And so they were created to, to communicate uh, to mankind. They were created to make announcements to mankind. God sent his angels to make very big announcements to mankind. Uh, we talked about one of them a few weeks ago that Abraham and Sarai would have a son by the name of Isaac. And so God sent these angels uh, to reveal information or make announcements on behalf of him, on behalf of God. The angels ministered to us. We see several different passages of Scripture that indicate that angels minister to mankind. Um, and angels also are the ones that when you die, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you die, the angels are the ones that take you to be with God. This past Tuesday, um, my 91-year-old grandfather, who was so important to me, he passed away this past Tuesday. We're leaving as soon as church is over to um, go down to his funeral, which is going to be on Tuesday. A great man of God, wonderful man of God who um, helped four different churches get started, including this one, over his lifetime. He was a banker. He was a great guy. And I had this picture as I was studying this of these angels, the angels of God, taking him as soon as he passed away into the presence of God. Isn't that great? So angels do many things, but one of the most important things that angels do is they protect us. Take a look at what David said, the author of Psalms, or most of the Psalms. Look at what the author said in Psalm 91 here. For he said, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. 
He, God, will command his angels. Look at 11 again. For he, God, will command his angels, plural, concerning you to what? Guard you. Let's say it again together. To what? Guard you. To guard you. To protect you in all your ways. Look at verse 12. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You see, God's angels, the intent of the angels is to provide protection, physical protection for you and for me if we are God followers. One thing that you need to know about angels, and and I I realize what I'm about to tell you um, is going to be very disappointing to some of you. You'll be like, man, I'm so disappointed. I went to church this morning because Todd blew up a myth that I believed in. Um, Is this, um, guardian angels, some of us grew up, I even grew up, my parents taught me about guardian angels, that I had an angel that watched over me. Um, that's a great thing to think about, and some of you have believed that all your lives. Um, the disappointing part is, is that Scripture doesn't ever mention that at all. The Bible doesn't say anything about guardian angels. I'm glad no, none of you walked up and got out to end just then. I, that that kind of worried me a little bit. Guardian angels are something of a myth. Now, the Bible speaks about angels hosts of angels that are there for our protection. And so in terms of God protecting us, he uses his angels to do so. And so when it comes to a guardian angel, you may have been taught that as a child, which I was too, but it's really his angels, a multitude or a host of angels that really protects you from harm, from physical harm and other types of harm. So we don't have guardian angels, but here's the good news. We don't have one angel at our disposal that that watches over us, we have the whole host of angels that watches over us. Isn't that great? I mean, to me, that's much better than just one little guardian angel, you know, like you see on TV and the cartoons. That's God's army to help protect and defend us. Well, how do we access that protection? The protection of Jehovah. Sabaoth, take a look at point number two. Our faith in God places us in a position to come under the defense of the Lord of hosts. Our faith in God places us in a position to come under the defense of the Lord of hosts. Tomorrow, we'll celebrate and remember those who have died for our freedom. It's Memorial Day. Um, Those of you who are a citizen of this country, whether you are natural born or whether you went through the citizenship process, once you become a citizen of this country, you have the right to be defended by your government. Your government has an army which defends you. It defends its citizen. So by virtue of you being a citizen of the United States, you're in a position where you are able to be defended by our military. We all learn the preamble to the Constitution sometime in elementary school. We the people, right? We the people established this constitution of the United States and it says in there in order to preserve defense or or, uh, promote general defense. That's part of what our government does. And just because you're a citizen in the United States, it means that you come under the authority to be able to be uh, defended by the United States Army. It's the same way as a child of God. As a child of God, by virtue, if you're in here today and you're a child of God, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, by virtue of that, that allows you to come under the umbrella of the defense of God the Father, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth. 
So our forefathers understood that by giving us that defense, we'd be defended. God understood that we also needed that defense. Now, there's a couple, uh, a, a husband and wife, in the Old Testament that I want to take a look at this morning. And we're going to spend the rest of our time in the book of 1 Samuel. So if you have your Bibles, you can look at 1 Samuel. We're going to be in chapter 1, we're going to be in chapter 4, and we're going to be in chapter 9. Take a look at 1 Samuel. It's very interesting that his, uh, Samuel's parents understood the, uh, uh, what Je Jehovah Sabaoth means. So, but before we dive in, I want to give you just a little bit of history, a little bit of understanding of what was going on in the Jewish people in the nation of Israel at the time. It was a, it was a time of tumultuous change. So when we read this passage in a moment, remember that there was, it was kind of during a time of incredible change among the people of Israel, the Jewish people. Uh, they were going through a period of time where their, um, their government was changing, their authorities were changing, those who spoke to them on behalf of God was changing. Um, th they had enemies that they had not completely defeated out there, and they were always under the threat of some sort of an attack from their enemies. And so they were going through an incredible time of change. And God allowed this man to be born, and you'll read about it in a moment, Samuel. And Samuel was there as a leader in the nation of Israel among the Jewish people during a very tumultuous time of change. In fact, for the whole period up, uh, really from like Abraham and Isaac all the way up to the point of Samuel in Scripture, um, the nation of Israel was really kind of um, looked over by judges, and then that came to an end, and, and theologians tell us that Samuel was the last judge. And then all of a sudden, God began to speak to his people through prophets, and Samuel went from being a judge to a prophet, and he became the very first prophet of the nation of Israel. And so the passage we're going to look at today is the very first time in Scripture where we see Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, mentioned. Take a look at Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. And when I read verse 1, I'm not going to read all these words because I can't pronounce all these words, okay? We're all in the same boat together. There was a certain man of Ramathoth Zoatham. That was horrible. Sounds like, a, you know, some medication you took. Anyway, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jer uh, Jeroam, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, and son of Zuf. Uh, and Eph Ephrathite. Oh man, I butchered that. Okay. He had two wives. Take a look at verse two. The name of his one wife was Hannah, and the name of the other wife was Peninnah. And, and, and Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year, talking about El Elkanah, from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts. That's the first time that Jehovah Sabaoth is used, the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. Now, Elkanah used the name Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, because he believed that he needed to call on the God of defense. He believed that he needed to call out to the one who had the angel of armies, the Lord of hosts, working on his behalf. And I believe that he called out to the Lord of hosts for several reasons. Number one, Israel was going through a tumultuous time. There was always the fear of an invasion. There was always the fear of an attack. 
And so I believe Elkanah went to the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, because he believed that his people needed to be defended. But I think there's a second reason that he went and called on the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, is this, because there was someone in his household who needed to be defended. There was someone in his household who needed to be defended. Now, 1 Samuel goes on to explain that when Samuel sacrificed for God, there was a portion that was left over, and that was pretty common in a Jewish uh, household, in a Jewish priestly household. But he took that portion, and he brought it back, and he split it. Instead of splitting it equally among his two wives, he gave Hannah a larger portion than Peninnah did. And so Peninnah gets angry because she knows that uh, Elkanah likes Hannah more than she, and she, so she takes the opportunity, Peninnah does, to make fun of Hannah because she didn't have children. And the Bible tells us that she was constantly harassing Hannah because she couldn't have a child. It says that she was relentless about her provoking Hannah to the point of irritation. You know what this was? Ancient bullying. That's what it was. I mean, let's put aside the fact that Elkanah had two wives. I'm not going to go into that today. And the whole household was kind of, you know, just crazy there. But Peninnah was harassing Hannah, probably because the husband, Elkanah, loved her more than Peninnah. And so she harassed him. And I believe that we see the first example of some kind of bullying, some kind of harassment, and that kind of thing. And I believe that Elkanah called on the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, to protect Hannah. I believe that he called on the Lord of hosts to protect one of his loved ones. We can call on the Lord of hosts to protect our loved ones too. Some of you have um, children who may have just graduated high school or college. You could ask for God, the Lord of hosts, to protect your children. You know how you get in a car and you might say a little prayer to ask God's protection in our lives? You're essentially calling on Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the one who defends, who has the angel armies defending on your behalf. And so you can call on the Lord of hosts to protect someone that you love. Let's keep on reading. Go down to verse 9 of chapter 1 there in 1 Samuel. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord. And what did she do? Wept bitterly. She wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on my affliction, the affliction of your servant, and remember me, and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. Essentially what Hannah is saying here is if you protect me and if you give me a son, Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, I will give you my son if you give me a son and he will be committed to you. And sure enough, she goes on to have a son and his name was Samuel. And Samuel went on to be a great righteous man, a man of God who is a prophet. Take a look at point number three. The Lord of hosts is a name of God that we can use when we feel threatened by other people. Or circumstances. 
The Lord of hosts is a name of God that we can use when we feel threatened by other people or circumstances. I, I believe that, that Hannah in this instance was going on behalf of the Lord God, the, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angel armies, um, for one thing, because she was barren and she wanted to have a child. I think that's very clear from Scripture. But my guess, I don't know about you, my guess is that she's asking for the God of defense because she felt like she had something to be defended of. And I believe it was the fact that uh, uh, Pania uh, uh, was abusing her and was bullying her. She felt like she needed the God of defense in that instance. If you've ever been bullied, you know that the reason that you're bullied is not really the reason that you're upset. You're upset because someone bullied you. I just gave you all of my nicknames. Most of them had to do with the fact that I was short. And when I was in early elementary school, a bunch of my friends, who I wonder if they were really friends, made fun of me because I was short. And I wasn't mad at God because I was short. I was mad at God because there were people out there who made fun of me. If you're in here today and you're a student and you're being bullied, you have the Lord of hosts on your side. You have the Lord of the angel armies on your side. It's not that you don't have to worry about being bullied, but you have the opportunity to cry out to him at that moment that you're being pushed around. And you can cry out to the one who will come to your defense. Even if you're an adult and you're being taken advantage by someone else in your life, you can cry out to Jehovah Sabaoth to be your defender. The God of the angel armies can come to your defense. Have you ever been in a situation where you were just utterly, incredibly terrified? See, not only can you call on the Lord of defense to help someone else and call on the Lord of defense to help you, but you can call on God, the God of the angel armies, the Lord of hosts, when you're in a terrifying situation. Um, in 2004, Cynthia and I were um, in Morocco. We went on a missions trip to Morocco. And we were in this little um, uh, place uh, called Malia. And in Morocco, Morocco is a Muslim country, and they didn't, they didn't have our same beliefs generally. And speaking the name of Jesus is illegal in Morocco. And uh, we had to be very careful what we did. But in Malia, Malia is a Spanish province of Morocco. And in Malia, we were allowed to do whatever we wanted to. And so we had concerts, and we did music, and we passed out Bibles, and we went in the town square, and we taught about Jesus, and we spoke about Jesus with complete freedom because it was a Spanish province. But one of the last days that we were there, um, we had a, they called it a fun day, and we went into Nador, which was a city that was in a Moroccan province. And I remember going through the border. We had 12 people with us, and we went through the border, and it took about an hour and a half because they were interrogating the person that we were with. Why are you bringing all these people into this country, and why are they here? And they, they asked a bunch of questions, and that was scary enough. We went into Nador, and we spent a few hours there, and when we left, to go back to the border, to go back to the safety of Spain, that province called Malia, um, the cabs that took us there, the two cab drivers that took us there, parked right in a downtown urban area, right there on the border between Spain and Morocco, with all these buildings looking up. It looked like a Tom Clancy movie. And so all these buildings were rising up into the ceiling. There were thousands of people around. And where they parked, we couldn't open our doors. They were parked so close, inches to the cars next door. And then both cabbies, they could get out because of where they parked. They got out of their doors, and they went, and they ran away. 
And so there we are, all 12 of us, in two cabs. We don't speak the language. We can't talk about our faith. Um, So we began to pray in that moment. I remember, and Cynthia does too, that there was a terrifying moment there, a few moments there of thinking, what's going to happen to us? I'm only 30-something. This is going to be it. I'm done. And we were terrified, and I remember praying. I didn't know it at the time, but we were praying for the Lord of hosts to protect us. And he did. After a few minutes, the cabbies came back. I still to this day have no idea where they went, but they left us for a few minutes and they came back and they moved us up and we got on and we were fine. But we can pray when we're in the midst of a terrifying experience. Whether you're worried about your life, whether you're worried about your finances, whether you're worried about a work situation or a family situation, or if you're uh, concerned about your safety, you can call on the Lord of hosts and ask for his help. Take a look at the fourth point. When we place our faith in the Lord of hosts to protect us, we are submitting to his will and his protection in our lives. When we place our faith in the Lord of hosts to protect us, we are submitting to his will and his protection in our lives. Here's the problem, though. The human condition the rebellious thing that we have that's just ingrained in us because we're human and we're sinful, we want to reject the protection that God gives us when we think it's not good enough or when we view it as crumbling around us or when we think that maybe God has protected us in the past, but because of my current circumstances, I don't think he's protecting me anymore and we reach out and we try to do something to protect ourselves. I have Sean, who is six years old, and Sydney, who's almost nine years old. And I've noticed something about kids. This is very interesting. When they're young, and they're babies, and they're just learning how to crawl and walk, and um, uh, Casey and Anissa were over at our house, and their little one is learning how to walk. Um, when they're that young, and they don't know anything about the danger around them, um, they, they go out on their own. They want to get away from mom and dad because they don't understand or know the danger around them. And then they grow up and they become toddlers and they begin to learn the danger around them and they cling close, don't they? And then they get to be my kid's age and they want to go. And I don't know about you parents, but when we're shopping, often we'll look around and go, where's Sydney? Where's Sean? Sometimes I go, where's Cynthia? Uh, But anyway, my wife, (laughs) where'd she go? Um, And we look around, we look around And we can't find them because they think that they can handle the danger on their own. They're all grown up now. They can handle it. We do the same thing with God. When we don't like the protection he's given us, we go and we try to find it somewhere else. The nation of Israel tried to do this. Look at 1 Samuel 4. The word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Israel went out and they battled against the Philistines They're encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The Philistines drew up line against Israel, and when the battle spread, Israel was what? Defeated. Say that again with me. Israel was defeated by the Philistines. They lost that battle, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. And when the people came to the camp, the elders, the leaders of Israel said, why has the Lord defeated us today? Isn't that great? I love that point right there. They blame God, don't they? Why has the Lord defeated us today? Isn't that great? We do that, don't we? Why has the Lord 
defeated us today before the Philistines. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh that it may come among us and save us from the powers of our enemies. And so they brought the Ark of the Covenant. Take a look at verse 5. Of the Lord came into the camp and all of Israel gave a mighty shout so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the people shouting, they said, what does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrew men? And when they learned that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid. For they said, a God, small g, has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are gods who struck the Egyptian with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. And look at what happens in verse 10. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated once again, and they fled. Every man went to his house. And there was a very great slaughter for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell, and the ark of God was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. You see, at a moment in their history when Israel was defeated, they went out and instead of asking for God's protection, they found something good, but not the best thing. They went and they found the Ark of the Covenant and they asked for the Ark of the Covenant to protect them. And the Ark of the Covenant, if you look at Old Testament uh, scripture, was the place, the dwelling place of God. It was a good thing, but it wasn't the best thing because they had the God of the angel armies. They had the Lord of hosts that they could have called upon. They do it in 1 Samuel 9. Take a look at 1 Samuel 9. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, once again, a word I can't pronounce, they were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but they turned aside against gain. They took bribes, and they perverted justice. They were not good guys. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge like all the other nations. Israel was crying out to Samuel to go to God and say, Hey, all these other nations, they have a king defending them. Why don't we establish a king? They came up with this great idea to establish a king. And God says to Samuel, go ahead, let them have their king. And so they had their first king, Saul. And that turned out bad for the nation of Israel. You see, at a moment when Israel could have called on God, they called on an ark, a thing, and they called on a title, a king, to try to defend them. And all the time, they had the God of angel armies. They had the Lord of hosts there to try to protect them. We do the same thing, though, don't we? We look for ways to protect us. We put our trust in guns and governments and leaders who we think will protect us and fall out shelters and basements. And you can make a case that all of those things are good, but the whole time we've had the Lord of hosts right there able to protect us on our behalf. The problem is, is that we lose focus that God is sovereign. And even though temporarily things may be going bad, if you're a Jesus follower, if you're a God follower, God will work those things out for his good. Take a look at Romans 8, 28. Maybe you need to put this up on your car or 
on your refrigerator. And we know that for those who love God, we just sang about this a few moments ago, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. But that doesn't exempt us from trouble, and we need to be careful. It's the caution in your notes. Placing our faith in the Lord of hosts does not exempt us from difficult times. Jesus promises us, he promises us that we'll have trouble, but he has overcome the world. In John 16, I say these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There are many of you in here today who live in fear. You live with worry. You live with concern. You live thinking that something bad is right around the corner. You may have very good reason to think and believe in those things. But I want you to hear something this morning. It's our bottom line. You can trust the Lord of hosts to protect and defend you. You can trust the Lord of hosts to protect and defend you. He is on your side. Psalm 91 verse 2 says this, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my strength and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. That's good news, isn't it? That's good news that we have this God who protects and loves us, and he's there all the time. Early American Indians, they had a unique practice of training their young braves. On the night of a boy's 13th birthday, after learning how to hunt and scout and fish and kind of uh, live in the wild, he was put to one final test. He was placed in a dense forest to spend the entire night alone. Until then, he had never been away from the safety of his own family and his tribe and the security that that provided. But on this night, he was blindfolded and he was taken several miles away. When he took off the blindfold, he was in the midst of the thick woods and he was terrified. Every time a twig snapped, he visualized a wild animal ready to pounce on him. After what seemed like an eternity, dawn broke and the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of that forest. Then he began to see what was around him, flowers and trees and the outline of a path. And as he looked down that path, much to his astonishment, he saw the figure of a man standing just a few feet away with a bow and an arrow. And he realized it was his father. And his father had been there all night. The God of angel armies, the God of hosts, the Lord of hosts, he is there and you can call on him and his armies when he's in the midst of trouble. My question to you this morning is why would you ever want to stray like our kids do in the malls? Why would you ever want to stray like Israel did so many times from the great protection that he provides? Would you pray with me this morning? God, I just thank you so much that you are the God that provides and protects us. God, I thank you that you are in charge of the angel armies. God, that you are the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Sabaoth. God, I thank you that that is one of your names and that we can learn from one of those names that we have no reason to fear. That we can lean into you and that we can trust you. And even when it seems like you're no longer providing for us, 
Father God, in the strong name of Jesus, I would pray that you would help us to not stray far from you. That we would remain close to the safety that you provide. Close to the the defense that you can give us. And God, may we stand strong in our lives knowing that whatever comes, it's for your good and for your glory. And even when we suffer and even when we are ridiculed and even when we become the victim of being bullied, Father God, I pray that we would realize that you're there for us, that you've been there all along, that you're looking over our shoulder, and that your intent is to provide protection for us. God, may we trust in that. May we believe it. May we be confident in that. And may we walk in that truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.